Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. An amazing story from McMaster University Medical Center about a life-saving organ donation. A Grimsby counselor is calling out the provincial government over the latest COVID restrictions. The National Hockey League will not send its players to the Beijing Olympics because of COVID-19. We talk about Christmas shopping on the roundtable. And tech analyst Carmi Levy shares the top stories in technology in 2021. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. After living with kidney disease for nearly 20 years, an employee at McMaster University Medical Center needed a transplant back in 2018. Three years later, he received a Christmas miracle from a colleague. Ijaz Sajad is a kidney recipient, chief engineer at McMaster University Medical Center co-generation plant and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Mr. Sajad, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. You, you, Two years later. <laughs> you have an incredible, an incredible story. Tell us what happened. Well, I mean, uh, you know, three years ago I was on your show and uh, we did uh, appeal to my um, Hamilton community as well as uh, HHS community and my extended family in HHS in requesting of this. Uh, I started this disease 20 years ago and uh, progressively it uh, deteriorated and uh, and. It took us uh, that long to uh, to find a donor. Uh, so I was at the uh, at the uh, last stage of the kidney failure. So I went on dialysis for three years and looking for a donor. As you know, in Ontario, the donors, um, uh, uh, the uh, deceased donors are uh, five to seven years waiting period. And there are a lot many people who died within that time frame. So I wasn't want to be. I uh, didn't want to be one of those guys. So I just uh, sort of. Uh, took the courage that I know how I got that courage to ask for help. And I asked you, as well as Hamilton Health Committee, who was really, really uh, instrumental in supporting me in, in my journey and spreading the word out and see if I could uh, find a donor. Uh, my, to my surprise, I had over 13 people who uh, came out and wanted to donate, and none of those people I knew personally. And we worked in the same hospital system, and they all came out and volunteering, and I was quite touched with that. And the support I got from was awesome. Absolutely, and we should, uh, you know, remind our listeners as well, Your all your family members got tested, no one was a ma- match, so you launched this campaign requesting help. As you said, you got uh, several people reaching out to say, hey, I'd be willing to get tested to see if I'm a match, and one person came along, and they were a match. They were a match. This is the Holly Spencer. And uh, then, you know, we were going through the testing. And, uh, you know, even though we are uh, from two different parts of the world, uh, and uh, and we were genetically matched. So that really gets to show you that uh, your skin color, uh, where you came from, your creed, it doesn't really matter. It's what counts as the humanity that uh, she looked at. And, uh, and under the skin, we are the same people. So it's my message to people is please go out and sign your donor card. You don't have the courage to go live donors, but to sign the um, the donor card that comes with your uh, driver license and the uh, health card uh, card. Um, so I, that that will give us um, a lot of inventory because right now uh, there are people like me. About sixteen hundred Ontarians are waiting for a kidney transplant. And out of the Ontario population, we only have 35% of the donors who have uh, signed their cards and about 
12.5 million people really don't have, uh, didn't sign any cards. So my request to all of our uh, brothers and sisters out in, in Ontario, please, please do sign those cards. That definitely helps. Um, because I saw that uh, Bronco um, uh, accident that happened, and one person who died in there saved eight more lives after he was gone. So that's the impact that we can have on the community. And that's my message today. And thank you for my ha- thank you for having me on on your show to have this word spread around. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a phenomenal story. You can get more information at beadonor.ca. Uh, how are you feeling these days? I am uh, recovering from the surgery. Surgery was on October 28th. Uh, we are both, uh, Holly and I, both are recovering right now at home. Uh, we have some uh, minor complications. However, this with every surgery, and these were the major surgeries. So we are uh, recouping, hoping to be back in uh, to work next uh, next year, first part of the next year. So, so that's that's what we're doing right now, just trying to get our strength back. How cool is it that a colleague, a coworker that you didn't really interact with on a day-to-day basis, basically came out of the blue and helped save your life? I mean, that's amazing. That she is my. Uh, I, I have no words to really show my gratitude to her. We had uh, COVID in between for 18 months, and she, once she never wavered. And we had coffee. We got to know each other better. We got to know each other's families better. We became a very good friend with the family and herself, of course. And uh, now we are inseparable. We, we talk like a friend. And, like, she's part of my life, and I'm, I'm part of her life, and I'm always will be there for her. Thank you, Holly. I really, really appreciate that. My family appreciate that, what you have done for us. And I wish I could do the same for somebody else in any other, any other capacity I can help in this uh, journey. It's a truly amazing story. It comes at a great time of the year as well, especially as we continue to struggle on through the pandemic. We need great news stories like this. And Ajaz, thank you for sharing your story. Best of luck in the future. Say hello to Holly as well. She's a true champion. And uh, congratulations. Enjoy the holiday season. Thank you very much, uh, Ray, for having me. And I uh, thank you that three years ago when you did an interview, we did have some calls, inquiry and stuff like that. Hard-touching moments for me, both times. Happy to help. Enjoy the day. Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Ajaz Shadad is a kidney recipient and happy to be one, of course. Also a chief engineer at the McMaster University Medical Center co-generation plant. What a story. And yeah, we need more of these kind of stories at this time of the year and certainly during the pandemic. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A counselor in Grimsby says it's time to stand up to government after new COVID-19 restrictions were introduced to combat the Omicron variant. Dave Sharp is his name. He's a counselor in Ward 4 in the town of Grimsby and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Dave. Hey, good morning, Rick. You shared on uh, your Facebook page, uh, quote, the provincial government has been forcing their science on us, but they have been wrong over and over again. And you also said it's time to stand up to government. You're obviously frustrated. Tell us about your post and and the meaning behind it. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Um, I opened my post with a common phrase that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. What I'm pointing out is that the province already promised us that if we rolled up our sleeves, then we could get back to normal. And now after close to 90% of Ontario has rolled up their sleeves, we're getting higher cases than we did this time last year. So what's their solution? Roll up your sleeves again. Take another shot. It's not even a new formula. 
It's just another of the exact same shot. So are you doubting the science behind the vaccine, or are you just fed up that restrictions are back once again? Well, I'm looking at the restrictions, and one of the things I'm calling out the province is that they've been so hard-nosed about their science and following their science, and then they've been inconsistent about these lockdown restrictions. Last year on Boxing Day, the province said gatherings be limited to only the people in your household. This year, they say it can be limited to maximum of 10 people from any household. What changed? So what do you think should be done? What, what should the government be doing here? I think that there is a few things the government could do. First and foremost, I think they need to focus on the hospitals and the long-term care and the things that they can affect. And I think most importantly, the government needs to stay out of people's day-to-day lives. They need to they don't need to decide who people have at their table at Christmas dinner. I guess the the government uh, the the argument the government will make is you know, we're we're trying to focus on you know hospitals and keep those ICU admissions low, which you know thankfully they have been with this latest wave, but that could change as we know. Um, and I guess you know thinking that the restrictions will limit uh, interactivity is their best solution. Do you have another solution in terms of how we can make people avoid each other? Well, this is based on that you have to believe that the government <clears throat> sorry i um that's on the premise that, that you have to make people avoid each other i mean last year they did a lockdown and we got to this point today and so this year they'll do another lockdown and where are we going to get to next year what's the long-term solution to this is it just to keep repeating every year another lockdown another lockdown is that the government's solution Dave Sharp is our guest, Councillor Ward 4, Town of Grimsby, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. What are fellow Grimsby residents and business owners in Grimsby saying about the latest restrictions? So I hear different things from different residents. Most recently, I've been hearing about um, the hockey arenas. They have implemented new restrictions, which only allows teams to enter the dressing rooms 15 minutes before and after the games. And they suggest the players arrive fully or partially dressed to play. Um, I've seen some residents question, since the players and coaches are required to be vaccinated to play, then um, why aren't they allowed to have a normal amount of time to change and get dressed for hockey? It begs the question, if the vaccines are actually working, then why are they not allowed to play the sport? What is the situation like in terms of COVID cases in Grimsby? How are you guys doing? I think we're doing the same as everybody else in the province. We have about 63 active cases, and there's about 30,000 residents. That's not much higher than any of the other similar-sized municipalities in Niagara, or as far as I know, across Ontario. Right. Dave, appreciate the time. Thanks for sharing uh, your thoughts, and uh, enjoy the holiday season. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Rick. Dave Sharp, Councillor Ward 4, Town of Grimsby, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Clearly frustrated and fed up that restrictions have returned. Um, You know, I'll say that the province obviously hasn't gotten... Everything right. COVID-19 science advisory table has not gotten every decision right. Um, I think they're doing their best. They're trying their best. You know, otherwise they probably wouldn't be where they are and we would have turfed them long ago uh, through an election or otherwise. Um, you know, the, the best recipe against this virus, as we know, you know, apart from the vaccine that really stunts its um, debilitating nature in your body, the best recipe is to not be around anybody 
You know, hence, you know, if you do have the virus, you, you have to isolate, right? We don't want it spreading to other people. And odds are, with the Omicron variant, what we've heard is you get it, you're giving it to three or four other people and quickly. So, you know, the basis of the restrictions are trying to limit the number of people who are interacting with one another. It is impossible to do. It really is. The only way, I mean, really, the only way that we could have eliminated this virus in every step of the way is to shut down the entire planet for a couple of weeks. No one go anywhere. No one do anything. <laughs> no one produce anything. You can't go to work. Uh, it, it's impossible to do. It's impossible to do, unfortunately. And uh, so now we're living with the virus and trying to do our best. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The National Hockey League season remains on pause after the league and the Players Association agreed to suspend operations until Boxing Day amid a spike of COVID infections. The league also pulling the plug on playing at the Beijing Olympics. Here to shine a light on some of the two hot topics that is, uh, I guess, plaguing the NHL. Stephen Ellis, web editor with the Hockey News, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Very good. I kind of wish uh, we were not talking about NHL cancellations. Though. I know. Um, how disappointing is it to hear that the NHL is not going to be going to Beijing? It, it's tough, but I think we kind of knew there was always this chance. Uh, obviously, it, it was going to be tough from the get-go to go to this tournament. I was always skeptical when they made the announcement because you're looking at a country that obviously right now there's a lot of heat politically, and then you've got the the... This this was obviously before the variants, but this is or the newest variant, I should say. But this is something that where it's just like nonstop issues with with traveling and and with the virus itself. It just seemed unlikely, and here we are. Yeah, it'll be the second straight Olympic Games that the NHL players will not participate in. Um, so to that end, with no Olympic Games in 2022, what are the odds that the World Cup will make a comeback this year or next year? I don't expect it to be next year. Uh, I know there's been some talk that that's going to happen, but it just because of the, it, it's going to be tough to put something like that at that magnitude together. We know the World Cup of hockey, the last time it happened, uh, took a while, but I would like that to be where if the NHL really doesn't want to go to the Olympics anymore and we're having to look at this like almost every other year, like is it something we're going to do? I, I do like the idea of bringing the World Cup of hockey back. It's got to be changed a little bit. I know the last event was kind of a bit of a dud. I was at that. I, I thought it was fun from a, a spectator standpoint, but I can get it. It just didn't really feel great when there were two teams that didn't exist, as fun as uh, Team North America was. But to me, that makes the most sense to make everyone happy. You get top of international hockey, but then you get the NHL actually making money on it, and that's kind of what they want. And it, it was tough, obviously, to they wouldn't have been able to send the NHLers to South Korea. China's tough because of the time delay. And then going to Italy the next time wouldn't be great either. So if they can have it somewhere where they put in Seattle, they put in Vegas and show off one of their new their new cities, uh, I think they could do a really good job of that. So I do expect that to return, just not in the next uh, year or so. Stephen Ellis is our guest, web editor with the Hockey News. We're chatting about the NHL season on pause and uh, no NHLers at the Olympics in Beijing in a few months. Uh, with the, the paused season, it's going to return uh, on Monday with uh, games uh, returning. Will the league's COVID protocol, do you think, look different after the holiday break? We hope so, because right now we're looking at something where there's well over 100 players, close to 150 players that are having to deal with this, which 
uh, is more than we've ever seen in this league and, and definitely high for sports standards. But uh, the, kind of the hope is that after a couple of days, this will give players a chance to kind of to get back to normal and, and hopefully the players that, that that haven't got it, they get a chance to kind of keep themselves away from everything and that would be good. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a, a slew of more uh, – cancellations postponements right off the bat uh, just because again we saw how much this impacted well it's not going to go away in a few days so we'll see kind of where we get I, I wouldn't be shocked if we're seeing a lot of players added right away yeah and I wouldn't be surprised too if the NHL followed the NFL's lead in deciding to only test symptomatic uh, players and, and coaches and staff uh, we'll see if that uh, does the trick or at least improves things if things don't improve and we continue to see more cases and the border becomes a bigger issue what are the chances the North Division could be struck up again, or is that really dead in the water? Logistically, that'd be a challenge, uh, obviously, because you got to kind of redo the entire schedule and stuff like that. But it's something I would love to see. I think that last year that was kind of fun, um, although it was kind of nice to see, you know, Montreal, Toronto play like other games for once. Um, it was nice to see like the Boston rivalry return in Buffalo. But uh, I, I do think that this is something where it, it, it's something that the league is definitely considering right now but logistically i think they're going to try to do anything they can to avoid that nhl all-star weekend is uh, february 5th um are we going to see uh, a normal all-star weekend in vegas or is that kind of in jeopardy right now it, it sounds like that is the way it's going to be and then it, it's something where i think players are looking forward to it it should be fun but it, it's something where you look at the vegas golden knights i think they're one of the only teams that kind of uh, escaped all the issues so far um, throw the craziness over the last week or so, and uh, so good for them on that. But I, I do think that's something where if, if China was a bit different, that was traveling across the world and you're stuck in the quarantine if you if you get sick there. But at least in Vegas, this is something where it, it's not as bad if that's the case. I, I do think that there's something where the league's going to have to keep looking at it. It does almost seem ill-advised to have all the league's best players be one place, but. Uh, as of right now, it sounds like they're still going to go with it. It's going to be interesting times in the next few weeks and months in the NHL. Stephen, thanks for breaking it down with us. Enjoy uh, the rest of your day, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all the best in 2022. Yes, you too. Thank you so much. Uh, Stephen Ellis, web editor with the Hockey News. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Have you managed to book a COVID-19 vaccine booster shot? That's the focus of our Twitter poll question today at AM 900 CHML. 62% said yes, they've managed to do so. They're mocking me. <laughs> Time for the Good Morning Hamilton roundtable with Paul and Shona. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. I can tell you I was able to book for an elderly neighbor just this morning, so... Now, right on on the site, no problem. Did you go through Hamilton Public Health or the pharmacy route? I went through the Hamilton Public Health. I did. I've, yeah. I've had no luck. I'm going to try again this morning, right yeah. after the show. Well, Okey dokey. They're adding new ones every day, as they say, so that's what I was able to do. I went on this morning and thought, I'm just going to try. She's a, an elderly woman who's had some difficulty, so I thought I'm going to give it a whirl, and no problem at all. Nice. Yep. If I gave you some money, could you... <laughs> <laughs> Could you do me a favor and book my shot? Yeah. <laughs> now we're thinking that's a business. Yeah, that that would make that would probably be some sort of illegal. Business. Yes, <laughs> probably. Probably, yeah, so. probably. I am disavowing myself from that section of the conversation. <laughs> too many people knowing too many health card numbers. Yeah, really. yeah, that's the yeah. truth. Uh, speaking of money, how is your Christmas shopping going? And are you noticing that during the pandemic, it's easier or harder to do Christmas shopping? 
I took the advice of a lot of experts who were saying back in like October mm -hmm. to get your shopping done online. And uh, I, so subsequently, I only have a few things to pick up that are food related right. for over the holidays. So, yeah. I am a typical bachelor and I haven't started yet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I have done a little. Yeah. I have done a little. And actually, I've found that it is pretty easy. Um, I have found that the shopping is a little bit lighter. I still like the old brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. I like to go in and, you know, if it's Christmas. I know I said yesterday I can't stand Christmas music, but when I'm shopping, I kind of get that feeling. It's yes. in the mood. You know, yeah, it's in the mood. You know, and I, I know it's crazy, but I, outside of pandemics, I kind of like the hustle and bustle in lines. Um, but I didn't, haven't found any lines or anything like that. So nice. I found it pretty, really easy. What Max, about you? Max, oh, Kerman, Max Kerman had a great tweet. Yeah. And it will help people like Paul yeah. and others who either don't want to go out to shopping and, you know, we've got capacity limits in effect now. Mm -hmm. um, he is giving Christmas cards with an experience present listed on it. Like this card is good for one dinner out with your Uncle Max fish and chips. Really? Yeah. So That's cool. like you can yeah. you can cash it. You've got you've given them something for Christmas. But it's actually in the future. That is pretty cool. That I is. never it's thought kind of what seven-year-olds do. I don't you know, care. This is very it's working. Good for a hug mummy. Work with me here, yes. Paul. This is a really good one for a hug mummy. And I'll, I'll do your dishes tomorrow, mummy. Yes. Sometimes you get those, you know, those coupon books, you know, I'll give you a back rub or a foot massage. Yeah. Or, yeah. And they get tucked away in a closet somewhere or some kind of drawer and they're forgotten. And then like years later, you pull one out. Oh, I still have my coupon. I want my back rub now. <laughs> my seven-year-old son's now 34. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I am, uh, you know, I, I should be honest. My wife does most of our Christmas shopping each I'm and every so year. Surprised. Yes, it's very I'm shocking. <laughs> I have gotten a couple of things. Uh, very minor things. So does she shop for herself, too, and put your name on it? No, you... see, that's the thing. We do not uh, purchase Christmas gifts for each other. Oh, we made oh, the decision okay. years ago, and this is when the kids came along, that we'll put the focus on them, buy stuff for them. We're okay. We don't really need anything. You know, sometimes we'll get a gift and we're like, do we need this? Can we re-gift it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and away yeah. we go. <laughs> so that's where we are. So you're doing just a couple of things. Just a couple of things. And have you found it easy? Yeah, you know what? I have it. it uh, you know, I expected longer lineups, especially with, uh, you know, supply chain issues, pandemic restrictions. I thought, okay, a lot of people are going to try to get to the stores quickly and hang around there until they get all their stuff and I'll be hit with the long lines. No, I haven't seen that, which is good. I think, as like Shona said, a lot of people went online because the so brick too. and mortar stores are a lot lighter than normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so too. So that's a good yeah. thing. We're, it, it's a win win situation. Uh, earlier this morning, we learned that the American government has officially opened a formal investigation into Tesla. This is after they allowed, apparently, drivers to play video games on the center touch screen while the vehicles are in motion, which is obviously, I guess, a no-no. I guess it's the epitome of <laughs> distracted driving, even though you're in an autonomous vehicle. No. The question is, <laughs> would you be comfortable in said autonomous vehicle, whether or not you're playing video games or not, or driving alongside one? Are we ready to interact with the self-driving car? Shona, you're shaking your head. No. Oh, to the nth degree What now. is worrying you okay. about this new technology? Well, okay, here. The first thing is that being in news and being an anchor, as you know, we all have been in this discussion, yeah. I have too much need for control to give that <laughs> up to anyone or anything else. So you're not trusting the other driver? I'm not trusting the other driver. I'm not trusting the vehicle to take me on its own. Yeah. No. Paul, I know how, how to drive and I like it. Yeah. Well, 
I I'm I I know this sounds terrible, but I don't have any trust in the driver beside me. I would, <laughs> and I true. know computers crash. But I'll tell you, there are people in this building that make a lot more mistakes every hour than my computer when it crashes. So I'd yeah. take the autonomous vehicle over some human being behind the wheel. Any day, any time. So are you looking forward to getting behind the wheel, so to speak, of <laughs> well, an autonomous vehicle? So you can just sit back that, and relax? The, I don't want the person playing video games, and I still want the driver <laughs> to be paying attention and still have the hand on the wheel just in case the computer decides, you know, I do want to veer right into my that car. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I mean, we do, this, we do crashes every single day. I know. Yeah. And it's because driver error. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't use the term accident because there aren't accidents. Or driver, driver errors. errors. Yes, yeah. that are mistakes. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the autonomous vehicle era. I want full control because I like driving. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking ahead. I'm looking at, you know, how the road in front of me is kind of developing and what I can do and what I can't do and who's in front of me and how fast or slow are they going. Yeah. I want that control. I, See, yeah, sorry, Jonah. This, this, when I'm driving on the highway... QEW, going to St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. I see somebody with the phone up to their head. I'm and still they, seeing that, too. It's do you crazy. know what I want to do? I want to lay on my horn. I want them to have it's an autonomous aggressive. vehicle, so if they've got their <laughs> stupid phone up their <laughs> yeah. stupid ear, yeah. the car can at least be doing something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was advised by a police officer that that would be you know, somewhat aggressive. And not really a good idea could yes. prompt a road rage situation. Yeah. Um, I, but I still want to do it. I still I saw somebody the other day, Parallel Park, who I know has never parallel parked in their life before, <laughs> but they pressed a button and their car went... Oh, no way. Oh, they had Smotpock. Yeah. And man, <laughs> that thing looked beautiful. That was amazing how it parked. And wow. the person didn't even look around. So I know they weren't driving it. The yeah. car was doing it for them. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah was amazing. Yeah, that's pretty good technology. But I think we're in a gener- it's going to be the generation maybe two behind us who are feeling comfortable with autonomous. Yeah. You know what the one thing it will change? It will make merging wonderful because the computers will actually know how to merge because yep. drivers don't. And it will make the you know, the driving the other way when there is an accident, it will continue to go because the computer no doesn't want to slow down to look at it. Yeah, no rubberneckers. So the rubbernecker world is gone and the rubbernecker is one of the biggest problems for trap for grid for yep. gridlock it oh, is yeah. one of the by far one of the biggest problems I agree. Easy, one time yep. in one of the worst gridlocks i was ever in i it was a bunch of balloons that were at the side of the highway no yes <laughs> i was coming home from the cottage and i was thinking what on earth there's no there's no accident there's no accident and then i saw oh my lord it's three balloons <laughs> and the world has stopped did you get out of your car and pop all those balloons <laughs> no i think at that point you're vengeful and you're just like i want everyone behind me to now realize the same thing i just did <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> Because as soon as we were by the balloon, suddenly it's boom, we're flying again. Yeah. It's like, what on earth? Wow. Mike? <laughs> That's crazy. Mike, autonomous vehicle will not care that balloon was there. That's very true. The Good Morning Hamilton Christmas Movie Madness champion has been crowned. The winner Showing is up. it was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation versus a Christmas Carol and. A Christmas Carol came out on top. Really? The classic? It wasn't even close. 67 wow. to 33. Wow. Yeah. Uh, breeze through the competition, so it, nice to know that a classic has Way to go, has claimed the Sim. title. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Dickens, who'd have yes, thought it? Charles yeah. Dickens. I mean, hey, it is Charles Dickens. It's a great story. He's, yeah, he's, he's a, he was a pretty good writer. He was a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, uh, we, thank you. Good luck with your final days of shopping, Rick, even though you're going to <laughs> You too. Thank you. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We are continuing our week 
of uh, looking back at 2021. And today we are going to focus on the year that was in technology. No shortage of uh, great content to talk about in terms of the highs and lows of the tech world. And here to explain and give us some uh, analysis is a tech analyst and a good friend of the show, Carmi Levy. Carmi, good morning. How's it going? Really, really well. Thanks for having me, Rick. There's a lot of uh, tremendous uh, things to talk about in the world of technology. It has certainly been a roller coaster, many great achievements, uh, some lowlights as well. Maybe we'll start with a lowlight, and that is the Facebook scandal. Certainly rocked the world. I don't think too many people were surprised this was going on, but when Mrs. Haugen, the former Facebook employee, came out and said, hey, this is going on, uh, we were all uh, kind of taken aback a, a, a little bit by the information that she unleashed on us. Yeah, you're absolutely right. No surprise. I think we'd been suspecting a lot of this for years. We saw little snippets here and there, but this was the first time that we actually kind of peeked behind the curtain and got actual proof of what was going on, of what they were talking about, what they knew and when, and what they did regardless of what they knew. And Frances Hagen, of course, was an ex-Facebook employee. And what she did before she quit the company, she offloaded thousands of pages of documents, you know, the, the smoking gun, the damning evidence. Uh, and she then took that documentation and she shared it with lawmakers in the U.S. and elsewhere. And that really kind of, you know, it, it put a, it finally drew a line in the sand. You know, we, we thought we've known about this for years, but now we finally have an insider, insider saying, no, this isn't just alleged. This actually happened. This is the way the company operates. And, and uh, I think it finally gave lawmakers and the rest of us little bit of food for thought for thought you know this is a company that we've suspected all along now we know now it's time for us to change the way we perceive them it's time for them to be a little bit more accountable than they have been for the last 17 years of their existence do you suspect that will happen in 2022 or is it going to take a little bit longer (laughs) for those you know the social media giants and the governments uh to really uh, you know drop the hammer I think it really does come down to timeline, Rick. It's almost like trying to turn the Titanic. You would like to turn it soon enough so that it doesn't hit the iceberg. But, uh, you know, this this is a culture that is uh, fairly deeply rotted. This goes back decades, uh, and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. And quite frankly, I don't think our legislative uh, structures are equipped to deal with a company like Facebook. Just watching those hearings, and I had them on in the background, and I was, you know, watching and listening carefully. You can, you make, it's obvious that that th- those who have been elected to serve clearly don't understand the technology agenda, and so many of the questions they ask are table stakes. They they're, they're just they're just trying to get up to speed. So. To expect them in 2022 to enact legislation that will magically fix this, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think it will take years. I think 2021 was the year that that ball started to roll, and I think that's a good thing. But let's not kid ourselves. Uh, This isn't going to get solved with a snap of our finger in in 2022. This time, at the the end of 2022, and when we we get back together again, we'll still be talking about it. Uh, Hopefully, we will have progressed, but uh, this will be a multi-year initiative. Uh, and we're talking about Facebook now, but let's be clear, other tech companies are just as guilty and we'll be adding them to the agenda as well. Speaking of Facebook, along with Google, uh, they tried to play a little hardball with Australia, but it didn't really work out for the social media giants. Give us a recap and uh, rekindle our memories of what happened. It was an interesting story there. Um, you know, Australia, of course, uh, was rather upset that Google and Facebook have been making billions of dollars in advertising from their market. Uh, and traditional news operations have essentially been starved along the way. 
Um, because in recent years, of course, all traffic now goes through social media platforms. You don't really visit the website of the news organization that you're getting your news from. So Google and Facebook uh, have been largely getting a free ride, and the Australian government said, nope, we've got to level the playing field. Big tech pushed back and said, well, we're not going to pay uh, because this is the way it's always been, and we will shut down our services if we don't get our way. Uh, they came right to the point where they were about to turn them off, and they finally negotiated something now. Um, they, in fact, will pay news organizations, newspapers, television stations, radio stations for the right to carry their copy on their social media platforms. What, wh why this matters is that Canadian officials, American officials, European officials are watching this very carefully. They've made it very clear that that sets a precedent for uh, the way big tech deals with media and the way they pay them for that content around the world. And so we can expect similar legislation in Canada over the next year. And uh, the good news is, is nothing's going to go dark. You know, Australia took the bullet for the rest of us, and now we're going to benefit from that. It's been so many different uh, social media uh, heavyweights that have come and, you know, some of them have gone, or at least they haven't uh, been as popular as first thought. You know, Snapchat kind of comes to mind. But when it comes to TikTok, this is a giant onto its own. What a year TikTok has had. Well, my, my God, especially after 2020, where, you know, that was the year where then President, U.S. President Trump tried to get them to be sold because he you know, basically pitched them as a, a threat to national security, Chinese-owned company, who knows what's going on. And uh, that bit, of course, failed. The company is still owned by ByteDance. Uh, and in 2021, it essentially became the social media platform. We used to, by default, think YouTube was where you go for video and where all the influencers hang out. Nope, now it's TikTok. And anytime something goes viral, it starts on TikTok and kind of ends up on the other platforms. And so 2021 was the year that TikTok went mainstream. It was the year that most of us put that app on our devices, even if we weren't teenage kids. Uh, and uh, I think as we head into 2022, um, you know, all of that nastiness is behind TikTok, all of those questions about who owns it, what the algorithm does, where that data goes. Uh, they're still unanswered, but no one really seems to care. We're getting the videos that we want. People get to see viral videos, cat videos, whatever it is. And no one really seems to care about what's going on in the background. TikTok seems to be the social media darling of the moment. And if you're YouTube, you're kind of wondering, what hit me? That is Carmi Levy, tech analyst regaling us in some of the top stories in technology in 2021. We are going to continue our discussion with Carmi on the other side of the break as we look back at the year it was in tech. There were some highlights and certainly some lowlights. Uh, some of the highlights, of course, TikTok being one of the big players on the social stage as the young kids or kids in general, they don't have to be young kids, kids uh, flocking to TikTok and making it uh, a go-to place for their entertainment eyeballs. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We're looking back at the year that was in technology with tech analyst Carmi Levy. And while it may not be as sexy as the Facebook scandal or the rise of TikTok, 5G finally arrived in Canada and it is packing a punch. Big time. It's, uh, it's wireless on steroids. It's much faster than the older generations of technology. G, of course, stands for generation, fifth generation wireless technology. Uh, this is the year that pretty much every phone that you could buy came with 5G. It's the year that most Canadian telecommunications companies started offering really good mainstream 5G packages. Um, so it's, you know, it, you know, basically this is the year that it became the technology that most of us use. Uh, what's interesting, though, is, is, is the world still hasn't changed. 5G is supposed to, of course, be revolutionary, not just 
just faster, but it's supposed to allow all these other cool services that older wireless technology doesn't offer. Things like smart homes, smart cars, smart infrastructure, smart cities. Um, that hasn't happened yet. And so I would expect to see more of that in 2022. But in 2021, we certainly saw kind of the, the, the foundation get laid for this to happen. And over the next year, I would expect to see more of these services that go beyond your phone. So 5G isn't just going to be a phone thing. Your house is going to be 5G. Your car is going to be 5G. Those wearables that you wear when you're tracking your fitness, those will be 5G enabled too. Um, and it sounds cool, but also be, be, be forewarned, this is going to cost us. None of this is going to come for free. Yeah, that's usually the case. Uh, another big, <laughs> another big story, and this has really run the gamut in terms of technology business in general. Is the supply chain crisis? How was the world of technology impacted? Uh, massively, you know, when the uh, the evergreen tanker got stuck in the Suez Canal, I think all of us got a real sense of what supply chain is. There's the chips that so there's been a huge shortage of pandemic. Uh, and time soon. So if you're buying a for your computer, if you're looking for a car, if you're looking for a Sony PS5, you simply can't find them because they can't make them fast enough because a lot of the chips that go into them simply aren't available. In many cases, when you go to the car dealership, you're looking for a vehicle. Some features that you would normally have, like heated steering wheels, well, in some cars, they're being stripped out because the semiconductors that make that possible aren't available. And so it's, it's not it bad. It's not going to get any better over 2022 as the pandemic continues to drag on. That's going to affect it. And basically, it means tech is going to be harder to find. It's going to be more expensive. Uh, and it's going to take longer to get. You can't just walk into a store and buy, expect to get what you want. Sometimes you're going to have to hunt for it, which basically means now we're this close to Christmas. If you're looking for a technology gift for someone, you may need to have option B, C, and D as well. Uh, those who were lucky enough to grab a foldable screen device, are they regretting the decision or are they liking it? It all depends on timing. If they bought one last year, they're definitely regretting it. <laughs> 2020, that, that was the first year that they were available in a lot of them. You never want to be the first one to buy something on your block because you, it, it costs way too much. The engineering bugs still haven't been worked out. And as we saw last year, most of the devices were just really expensive, really clunky. Uh, many of them got recalled because they simply didn't work as promised. And even now, I just I wouldn't want to have an older one. But in 2021, an interesting thing happened. Samsung and others introduced version two of most of their devices. And so they were better. They learned lessons from last year's mistakes. They're more robust. You can fold them a lot more and you don't wear them out. The batteries are better. The cameras are better. Everything about them is better. They're still more expensive than they were, but in many cases, they're a lot cheaper than they were last, than they were last year. So they compare more favorably to conventional phones. I'm still not 100% convinced the phone that I have is still a regular old iPhone. It does not fold. Um, but I think we moved a lot closer to that foldable, rollable future uh, that everyone keeps talking about, where we no longer have to worry about shattering our screens when we drop them, that they're not rigid uh, rectangles of glass, that they're soft, that they can, they can kind of, you know, they, they can fold, they can, when you put them in your pocket, you can slam the phone nicely when you're finished a phone call. <laughs> I think we're a lot closer. I think we're a lot closer to it now. And I think when Apple finally decides to introduce its foldable, that's when it's going to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if 2022 is the year when we see that as well. So hmm. definitely a turning point. Yeah, slamming the phone down just is, it doesn't feel the same <laughs> on a cell phone. No, not, not at all. I, I, I love my old flip phones for that. I miss that. Exactly. Uh, we'll end with uh, something that's, you know, it's not going away anytime soon. Cybercrime and ransomware. How serious of an issue is this? 
incredibly serious. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we reached that turnaround point where ransomware became the most prevalent form of cybercrime. And it's only gotten worse since then. This was the year that it, it really went mainstream. For example, it wasn't just about, you know, individuals or small businesses being targeted here, you know, pay a few thousand dollars in ransom to have your data unlocked. Now they were going after big game. Hackers were getting a lot more sophisticated. The colonial pipeline attack meant that millions of drivers along the U.S. eastern seaboard couldn't get fuel for their vehicles. Uh, JBS uh, meat producers, they are the largest meat producers in the world. They were targeted. It meant shortages of meat for weeks in, across the U.S. And so now we're seeing uh, the supply chain being affected by ransomware. We're seeing uh, huge uh, uh, ransom uh, amounts, $70 million in the case of, the, of Colonial Pipeline uh, that was demanded. And so, you know, the stakes keep getting higher and it isn't just about one or two companies paying money. It's about all of us being affected day to day. Uh, and as we head into into 2022, it looks even worse that, uh, you know, we're we're still kind of on that, you know, ragged edge of this is getting worse. We still haven't figured out how to deal with it. And it's only a matter of time before the next big shortage, uh, because some company didn't close it or cover off its security the way it should have. Great insight, as always, from Carmi Levy, tech analyst. Carmi, appreciate the time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All the best in 2022. And we'll talk to you in the new year. I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Rick. That is Carmi Levy, tech analyst, with a great review of some of the big stories in technology in 2021. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.